Have you ever had a civil discussion with someone you disagreed with or who had a different perspective than you? If you have, what did you learn? Here on The Moderate Review, we try to have these kinds of discussions. So, let's talk. I'm your host, Jack Taggart, and on this episode of The Moderate Review, I am joined by author, teacher, and fellow podcaster, Angela Harders, and we talk about a rather interesting method of parenting called gentle parenting. So, let's talk. Listener's note, this episode was originally recorded on October 19th, 2021. An unpopular opinion that I have is that it is not only possible, but powerful to parent without punishment. Really? Okay. And I know this is what we're going to be talking about, so we can just hop right in. So why do you think that is possible? Or like, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that is really important to me is focusing on having a connected relationship with my children. And um, of course, I was raised in a Christian home, so I grew up being spanked. And when my daughter was born, um, I had anticipated that I would do the same thing, that I would spank her as well. Um, But when she got to be around 15 months old, I started kind of reevaluating that thought and that approach to parenting. And I realized that I really wanted to parent in a, in a different way. What is gentle parent parenting and what is not gentle parenting, if that makes any sense? Yeah. So gentle parenting is basically treating your child as a human being, just like you would want to treat any other human being, um, viewing them as as equally valuable with emotions and feelings that are just as valid as mine. Um, So treating them with kindness, gentleness, and respect. Just to really dig into it, you could talk a little bit about it, but like, where did this idea come from? How did um, you, I guess, come up with this idea? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I did not plan on being a gentle parent at all. In fact, I didn't even know what gentle parenting was uh, when I first had my my daughter. Um, But you know, as I mentioned, I I had planned to spank her um, as a form of discipline. And when she got to be around 15 months old, that was when I really started thinking like, okay, practically, how does this work? Um, You know, I I know spanking, at least in the United States, is very common. And I just wasn't sure how to do it. And so I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, doing it right. And um, so I started talking to different friends and pastors and um, different parents that I really admired. And it seemed like every person I asked had kind of like a different answer to how they would answer that question of how do you spank? And I was just trying to figure out, you know, the right way to do it. And so personally, my my basis for spanking was because I had always been taught that that's what the Bible says. And so I realized, okay, well, if I'm going to parent the way that the Bible says, then I want to go back to what the Bible says and see what does the Bible really say about spanking. And the more that I started researching about what the Bible teaches about spanking, I came to the conclusion that there is zero biblical basis for us to hit our children as a form of punishment. What did you find? Yeah. So most people um, kind of... Have you heard of the phrase, spare the rod, spoil the child? I have, yeah. Yeah, so that's a very common phrase. And and when I share this with people, that's usually the first thing that they will say back to me. Wait, but the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. And what I actually found was that that phrase is not in the Bible. 
It actually comes from a 16th century poem um, written by a guy named Hudibras. And he's writing about um, a guy who, a knight who's in prison. And there's a lady who comes in to meet with him. And they're kind of engaging in this illicit sexual love affair. And she is a dominatrix. And so she is actually the one who says that infamous line. Um, but she's talking about keeping the love in an in an adult sexual relationship, like alive and exciting. And that in her mind, uh, whipping was one way to kind of keep that, <laughs> that relationship exciting. And so she's the one that says that line, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child because um, the phrase, actually the whole thing says, love is a boy by poets styled. So spare the rod and spoil the child. And um, so, yeah, so that's uh, actually not in the Bible. Um, but when people do look at what the Bible says about it, there are typically four verses in the book of Proverbs that people use to defend spanking. But ironically, none of them um, are aligned with the way that we practice it today. So uh, when looking at the book of Proverbs, I realized that, first of all, P Proverbs is not a parenting book. Um, it's a book of wisdom. It's a book of poetry that was written from King Solomon to his son, preparing him to be king. And um, and those verses in particular, the child that is in all of those verses um, is actually a boy that was a legal adult. Actually, he wasn't a boy. He was a legal adult. And so I actually, I really love learning languages. Um, I'm bilingual and I have a background studying biblical Hebrew and biblical Greek. And so the word in those verses in the biblical Hebrew is actually a word that basically means uh, a teenager. And so that was definitely not the way that we, you know, typically mm -hmm. when we think about spanking, we think about, you know, spanking a toddler or, you know, like a two-year-old that's having a temper tantrum or something like that. There's not a single verse in the Bible that talks about hitting a small child. Um, those verses were more talking about corporal punishment as like a legal, a legal way to punish mm. convicted criminals that were legal adults, not children. So now that so you kind of cited the Bible, and mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that um, this kind of all this whole idea didn't start kind of overnight and kind of just developed gradually over time. Could you maybe describe? I guess, how that journey, how that actually entirely formed? Yeah. So as I learned that that those verses in the Bible that people use to defend spanking are not talking about a temper tantruming toddler, I really became convicted, like, there is no biblical basis for me to hit my child. And so, um, you know, of course, as parents, we have all these different tools, you know, from our own upbringings and things that we think, you know, we should do. And and as we reflect on our own upbringing, I'm sure even for you that there are things that you're like, oh, you know, one day when I become a dad, I want to do this or I want to stop doing this that my parents did. Or maybe I want to keep doing that, but change it a little bit or whatever. Um, would you say that's the case for you, too? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And so, you know, we all kind of have those experiences in our upbringing that we want to you know, reflect on and then either do the same or change. And um, so I kind of had that that same mentality too. Um, but then as I as I was learning this, I was kind of like, okay, well, this isn't a tool that that I want to use. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of left with that question like, okay, well, if I'm not going to hit my child, what am I going to do, you know? Um, and so that kind of sparked me on that new journey into really thinking about what kind of a relationship do I want to have with my children and how do I want to interact with them? How do I want to treat them? 
And I think my biggest question at that point was, do I want my child to obey me because they're afraid that I might punish them? Or do I want my child to obey or to, you know, consider what I have to say because they love me and they respect me? Um, So that was that was kind of, I guess, like a line in the sand for me was I really started reflecting on the kind of relationship that I want to have with my children. And I knew I'm like, I can either have a relationship with my children that is based on fear and punishment or one that is based on love and connection. And I choose love and connection every time. How does this actually work? An example, I guess I could probably throw out is like, you know, if like a three-year-old, you know, had throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of the store, mm-hmm. how would you, I guess, implement this gentle parenting? Oh my goodness. I actually had that exact, <laughs> that exact scenario happen to me. Um, at the beginning of my journey, when I was first learning about gentle parenting, I, I chose to take my daughter. And at the time, I think she was like, she was almost two at the time. And so I chose to take her to Walmart because we had to run some errands and buy groceries and stuff. And I took her around 11 o'clock in the morning. So that meant that it was right before lunchtime and she had not had a nap. <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is like rookie mom mistake. You know, you go to the grocery store with your with your two year old and like they haven't, ha- you know, they're hungry and they're tired. And um, so we went and of course that, you know, stereotypical scene that you see in the movies, my, my daughter was started having an epic meltdown in the middle of Walmart. She like threw herself to the floor cause she wanted, I think she wanted like some candy or gum or something like that. And I had said no. And, um, and so she like threw herself to the floor and was, you know, crying and so upset that, she, you know, I wouldn't let her have this candy. And I, I remember this old guy, like, you know, elderly man, he like walked past us and he just kind of like glared at me and like pointed his finger at us. And he was like, that's why your kid needs a good whooping, you know? And, and in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, she's, she's having this epic meltdown here. I get that she's hungry and she's tired and she's upset. Cause I said, she can't have this candy that she really, really wants. And your solution to this is that I hit her. Like, <laughs> I'm like, how is that going to make things any better? You know? And so instead, I just I got down on one knee, I like next to her on the floor, she's crying there on the floor. And I just said, wow, you're really sad, because you really wanted that piece of candy. And I said, No, I feel frustrated and sad, too, when I can't have something that I really want. And I, you know, and I just I saw her there. And I said, Can I give you a hug? And she like stopped crying and like looked up at me and she just nodded, you know, nodded her head up and down and and said I could give her a hug. And so I gave her a hug and I took like a, you know, a couple deep breaths and, and, you know, a lot of times our kids, you know, they feel like our own emotional response, like it really impacts them, you know, our emotional energy Mm. transfers to them. And so I just started practicing like deep breathing on my own. And I felt her kind of matching my rhythm in that, like she started taking some deep breaths with me and I gave her a big hug. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to go ahead and pay for our groceries and then we'll go home and get you some lunch and, and then you can take a nap. And she just said, okay, mom. And she got up and you know, I paid for our stuff and we left. And, and as I was driving home, I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh my goodness, like how different that scenario would have been if instead of choosing to like empathize with her and show compassion for what she was feeling in that moment, if I just chose to respond in anger or frustration because she was upset, you know? So that's kind of like a, a, I guess a practical example of what that what gentle parenting can look like, you know, that, that showing empathy, showing compassion, 
but at the same time, still holding that boundary. You know, like I, I didn't buy her the candy, but I was able to show compassion for her and understanding like, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> like if I can't have something that I really want, I feel sad and I feel frustrated too. And that's okay. Obviously, parenting a, a three-year-old is very different than parenting a, a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. So how has, uh, how has um, just gentle parenting uh, changed over time? As another example I could I could have I can think of is like your kids out past curfew. That's a great question. So um I'll have to come back in ten years <laughs> ten years and talk to you about this. So um my daughter at the time, she's seven. Um she's seven and a half, actually. She'll be upset if I don't mention the half. So she's seven and <laughs> a half. And so we haven't quite gotten to those curfew conversations yet, but it's definitely something I've been thinking about. Like, oh gosh, how would I handle that? You know, if we were to come to that. And um, I think part of, you know, addressing those issues is that I'm not, like, I don't impose rules on her in that sense. Like, we don't have arbitrary rules, um, if that makes sense. I um, People might say that, you know, like, I, I don't like to follow rules, but that's not true. I don't mind following rules. I just don't like following rules that make no sense or are just, you know, arbitrary. And it's like... I don't know. I think that it's important to be able to have a conversation about why you're having a particular rule or, well, I refer to them as boundaries. Um, So why I'm having a particular boundary. And now, like, she is a part of creating those boundaries. So I try to include her as much as possible in creating the boundaries that we choose to have as a family. And so it's not like an arbitrary rule that I'm, you know, forcing upon her, but it's, you know, we have conversations about things and she's able to express, you know, if she doesn't like some sort of, you know, boundary that we have or whatever. But I think it's really important to be able to teach kids that, you know, we don't just have to do everything that someone else says. A lot of a lot of kids get into really big trouble by just doing what an adult tells them to do. But there are ways that we can respectfully disagree um, or that we can learn how to compromise or offer kind of a counter offer um, when someone's, you know, saying that they want you to do X, Y, Z or whatever. And, you know, I know at least for me as an adult, like I wish someone would have taught me how to be able to have those those skills, you know, to be able to mm. compromise with people and, and, you know, relate to people and communicate in a respectful and understanding way. So um, I, I'm not sure, like, I don't see myself being like, oh, your curfew is at 10 o'clock and you have to be come, you know, come home by 10 or else, you know, I could see that being more of a conversation of like, okay, well, what time do you think would be appropriate for you to come home? And, you know, having those conversations with her as she comes up, okay, what do you have to do tomorrow morning? Let's think about what you're what you're choosing to do right now or who you're going to be hanging out with and, you know, what would be wise or what would be, you know, prudent or whatever. And then kind of helping her process and make those own decisions. Um, Because if I as her mom, if I'm the only one that's making all the decisions for her, you know, when she turns 18, it's like I don't want her to be. 18 and just having to figure out how to make these decisions on her own. No, like I want to help her process mm. her decision-making right now, you know? So as a seven-year-old, we talk through like, how do you make decisions? How do you process and, and choose what is, what is right to do or what is wise? And so I guess, could you maybe like, I guess, give an example of, um, I guess, having that conversation with, you know, on setting boundaries. One 
boundary um, that we have is around anger. So um, this is something that was really important for me to communicate to her because I think it, a lot of us are raised to believe that anger is like a bad emotion. Um, and it's important for people to know that emotions aren't good or bad. Like they just are. They're emotions. But we all have healthy ways to express emotions and unhealthy ways to express emotions. And so it's important for our children to know it's okay to be angry. Like there are times when it's not only okay, but it's really important that you can be angry. You know, like if someone's committing some sort of crime or injustice or something like that, we should be angry about those things. But it's the way that we express that um, that emotion that makes a difference. Um, so one of the boundaries that, you know, we would talk about if my daughter was, you know, angry about something, uh, we're Italian. So, so I come <laughs> a long line of yellers. And um, and that's something that I personally am like working on because I'm like, I don't I don't want to communicate with my children by yelling at them. You know, I want to communicate with kindness and gentleness and no one likes to be yelled at. Um, so that's kind of like a boundary that we set is that we, we always communicate with one another with kindness and respect. And so if we're feeling angry, um, I would talk to her and say, okay, you know, I get that you're feeling angry or when you're feeling angry, what are some healthy ways that we can express our anger? And so, you know, I would just ask her like, what are, you know, you, you can't, scream. We're not going to scream. That's one of our things we're not going to do. We're not going to hit each other, but what are some things that we are going to do when we feel angry? And um, so one of the things that she suggested was like punching a pillow. Um, she suggested drawing your anger. So a lot of times if she's mm. like angry, she'll pull out a piece of paper and like she'll draw her anger on a piece of paper and that like gets that angry feeling out for her. Um, sometimes she'll write me a letter <laughs> uh, and tell me that she's really angry about something. So we have a boundary about yelling inside, but we talked about that, like, you know, we're not going to yell at each other inside the house, but if we're outside, like, and you want to yell, that's okay. Um, so sometimes, you know, if she's angry, she'll go outside and just scream really loud. And, you know, sometimes she'll invite me to come outside and yell with her. And then we both end up usually like laughing or something. And uh, so we're like standing on the balcony screaming and and then we just laugh and then the anger passes and it's done, you know? So yeah, we just kind of work together and it's, it's not like a me versus you thing. It's not like I'm mad at you because you're mad at me. You know, it's, mm. okay, we have some sort of, there's some sort of problem that's outside of us, but we're on the same team working together to solve this problem. So how can we think through together? How can we brainstorm and strategize? Even as a seven-year-old, what strategy can you come up with to help solve this problem? And so, yeah, we have those, I've been having those conversations with her since she was, you know, two and three years old. And um, so it's just kind of a, a rhythm and a habit for us now that we're really, you know, we work together to solve our problems. And I get that she's not, you know, she's not the problem and I'm not the problem. So like if like someone crosses these boundaries, how do you deal with that then? Yeah, I mean, because obviously, I mean, how do I best describe it? It's more of like, obviously, at least I feel like, you know, grand is coming from a person who doesn't have children, mm -hmm. you know, but like there has to be some sort of, I guess, some sort of consequence. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first of all, 
a lot of times when people say, you ask how do you discipline your children? Um, most in English, when we say discipline, a lot of people think that discipline means punishment, um, mm. but it doesn't. So the word discipline actually is comes from the Latin word discipulos, which means student. And it, it comes from the root idea of teaching and learning, like verbal teaching and instruction. So, you know, in English, a lot of times when I hear, well, how are you going to discipline your child? What most people mean is how will you punish them? Mm. Um, but it's important to remember that discipline is not punishment. Um, discipline simply means teaching and instruction. So um, in answer to your question, how do you teach and instruct? You know, you mentioned, of course, they need, you know, they need to have some sort of consequence when they don't. And you're absolutely right. Um, but there are three different types of consequences that children can experience. So the first one is a natural consequence. And a natural consequence is basically answering the question like, what happened? Um, so that could be like, you were angry and so you threw this, you know, you threw your toy on the floor and it broke, right? Um, so that would be the natural consequence, the toy broke. Um, no one's, I'm not having to do anything like, you know, I'm not having to hurt her in any way or whatever. Um, but the natural consequence of her action to throw her toy on the floor is that it broke. Um, and again, th there's nothing good or bad about that. It just is what happened. Um, so the first one is natural consequences. The second type of consequences are called logical consequences. So a logical consequence would be you know, looking at that natural consequence and saying, okay, what is a logical way that I can, how can I fix this or how can I make this right? Um, so that might look like, you know, if I broke this toy, now I have to try to fix it, you know, or if I, if I don't have a way to fix it, I'm going to have to find some way that I can make money to buy a new one or, you know, something mm. to that effect. Um, so it's, it's something logical that matches up with that. And then the third type of consequence is a contrived consequence. And that's what we mean when most people say punishment. So all punishment is, is a contrived consequence. And the heart behind a contrived consequence is you did something that I think is wrong. So now I'm going to do something with the intention of causing you some sort of either emotional or physical pain. Um, and it's not connected to whatever the issue is. So that could look like mm. you threw this toy on the ground. So now you get to be sent in your room, you know, you're going to go sit in your room and you're not going to have dinner or you're going to go, you know, you're grounded for a week or I'm going to take away all your toys and throw them all in the trash or, you know, making some sort of threat like that or something. So it's not with the intent, a contrived consequence is not with the intention of bringing like healing and connection and things like that. It's, it's more like retribution, ret retributive, if that makes sense. Sorry, I'm like, can't talk mm -hmm. right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So trying to, you know, I guess like inflict some sort of emotional or physical pain on them. So mm -hmm. um, we don't do the contrived consequences. We, we just focus on natural and logical consequences. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Never, you've definitely uh, thought a lot about this. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a very different way of of interacting with children and and not just children like I find myself really wanting to treat other adults in this way too you know being able to interact with other people with that a heart and intention of of kindness and respect and um you know free from force and threats and coercion and all these other ways that we you know manipulation you know ways that most people interact with children like trying to yell at them or intimidate them or make them feel, you know, scared or punishing them or hurting them in some way. And 
it, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a very different approach than what most people have experienced in the past. It definitely sounds like you're you're teaching your children, I guess, uh, I guess, I guess emotional intelligence. You know, yeah. understanding more of like, I am mad. Is it okay to be mad? How do I fix this? You know, yeah. And I will say even like healthy ways to express your emotions, mm-hmm. which you know, obviously most well, some people really don't learn that until like they're adults. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and even what you said there, you know, like you said, I am mad. And that's something too that that like was a huge awakening for me. It was like, no, I I am not mad. I feel mad. Like separating mm-hmm. the feeling from my identity. Like I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I feel anxious, but I am not angry. I am not mad. Like that's not my identity. Um, but it's it's an emotion that I'm feeling. And so when we can like separate our emotions from who we are as individuals, then we can look at those emotions and deal with them and process them in a healthy way, which is something that most of us are are not ever taught or don't have any experience in, in doing. Um, so it definitely does take, you know, work and effort, but it is so worth it. If anybody wanted to learn more about you um, or about gentle parenting, where would my listeners go to uh, to find out more? Um, so I actually published a book, my first book, um, which is basically like my journey into gentle parenting as I process through a lot of the different questions that I had about how to parent um, and how to spank my children the way that the Bible says. And so that book is called Gospel-Based Parenting, and that's available for purchase on Amazon.com. And it's also on my website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Um, and you're also welcome to you know follow me. I'm on Instagram um, at peacefulworldschoolers. And I have uh, Facebook as well, and I actually make YouTube videos, and I have my own podcast, um, the Peaceful World Schoolers podcast, uh, where we talk about gentle parenting and things like that, other topics that are near and dear to my heart. So um, yeah, I would definitely check check out my website um, if you're you know a Christian and would like information about you know the I guess a Christian perspective. I would definitely look at my book. Um, or my website, and um, I'm happy to help support anyone in their in their journey to parenting with with love and connection and kindness. Last question: Are there any closing remarks or something we haven't talked about you like you like to say? Um, yeah, I would just like to remind anyone who's listening to think about the end game. Um, you know, if you could envision your relationship with your child twenty years from now what would you want it to look like? And um, yeah, just really thinking about that, having that end in mind. And and I know for myself, like I want 20 years from now, my daughter to know that I'm a person that she can run to when she's in trouble instead of running away from. Um, and that when she comes to me, that she's going to find someone who's there to help her and to help her problem solve. Um, and I'm not there to hurt her or punish her or threaten her or, or you know, anything like that. So, yeah, I would just encourage you to really consider, you know, the kind of relationship that you want to have with your children and take actions today that will help you to get there. This concludes this episode of The Moderate Review. Until next time, I'm your host, Jack Taggart. The views expressed in The Moderate Review are solely of the individuals participating and not necessarily of the organizations they are affiliated with. If you enjoyed what you've heard, Please tell your friends, and please follow us on Twitter at tmodrev, that is the letter T, modrev, one word. Until next time, 
I'm your host, Jack Taggart. <laughs>